We're going to continue our series in the Ten Commandments, which is a mini-series of First John, just so that y'all remember where we are. Um, we started in uh, going through the book of First John, book by or verse by verse. Some people say, do you ever preach through a book? I say, well, actually, I'm in a book series right now. Um, but we got to a phrase in First John that says, true believers are those who live and love the law of God. So, well, how do we, are we going to live and love the law of God if we don't even know the law of God? So, we are backing up and we're looking at the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And this morning we're continuing a, a little mini-series in the Ten Commandments on the Sabbath command, since the Sabbath command is one of the more controversial ones. Let me see if I can do the uh, Ten Commandments for you. I'll just try. Um, my quick little short summary, and then let's see if you can follow me. So, I might mess up. You might mess up. But little by little, what I'm doing is got my cheat sheet up here, okay? Um, uh, so if you want one of these magnets, there, there's some on the table in the lobby. I'd love for you to have them. First commandment. So if I do, do, do it with fingers here, no other gods. Uh, make no idols. What's this? Oh. Speak well of God and for God. Keep the Sabbath day special. Honor father and mother. Commit no Murder, commit no adultery, commit no stealing, tell no lies against our neighbor, and do not covet. All right, that's the ten. All right, let's try it together as a group. Number one, have no other gods, make no idols, speak well of God and for God, keep the Sabbath special, honor father and mother, commit no, commit no adultery, commit no stealing, Tell no lies against our neighbor. Do not covet. Great. We about got them down. If we keep going through them, you know, it just becomes a grid for us. This morning, look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. The Sabbath commandment, the long version. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I grew up being taught that I shouldn't smoke, I shouldn't drink, and I shouldn't be a vegetarian, okay? Now, we had a big vegetable garden. The reason I knew I was being taught not to be a vegetarian is because right beside the garden, we had a pasture, and we had cows in that pasture. And we would feed out our own cows, and we would slaughter our own cow, and then fill up the freezer with cow meat. So I was taught deep beef. And I was taught not to smoke, and I was taught not to drink. And it was a long time before I realized, you know, it didn't matter whether I smoked or not. It didn't make me any more holy. And it didn't matter whether I drank or not. It didn't make me any more holy. And it didn't matter whether I ate vegetables only or not. It didn't make me any more holy. Those are not rules found in the Bible for our holiness. Christ is our sanctification. Christ is our holiness. 
And understanding that, some people have now taught me, well, you know, also, David, keeping the Sabbath day or not does not make us any more holy. And there are those who think the Sabbath day, therefore, is optional. Since it does not make us any more holy, we can take it or we can leave it. And the rationale given for that position, when you say, wait a minute, it's part of the moral law, it's part of the Ten Commandments, we keep all ten, don't we? But they say, no, there's one you don't have to keep. And that's the fourth commandment, the Sabbath commandment. And the reason you don't have to keep it is because three passages say so. And those passages are Romans 14, Galatians 4, and Colossians 2. So I want us to look at those three passages of Scripture this morning to see whether or not, and you already kind of assume you, you know my answer, those passages don't really say that. But many people think they do. And I want us to look at those three passages, Romans 14, Galatians 4, and Colossians 2 in that order. So first of all, let's look at Romans 14. Now, as you turn there and start to think about this passage and the other two, remember briefly when these uh, passages were written, what's going on, what's the historical background of these passages. Romans written to the Romans, Galatians written to church in Galatia, and Colossians written to the church in Colossae. Now, all three were written 50, 60 A.D. What's going on in 50, 60 A.D.? Christ has already come to earth, born, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. He's our Redeemer, our Savior. And the church is already holding services on the first day of every week. That's already happening when these verses are being written. So when it, it mentions a celebration or a Sabbath day, understand the church is already practicing. And in the last sermon, I, I gave you seven different passages where the church is, and Christ, as soon as he was raised from the dead, began to meet together on the first day of the week in celebration of his redemption. That's already going on when these words are uh, given to us. So let me read the first one. Romans 14, 5 and 6. Romans 14, 5 and 6. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God while the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Now, it's assumed, which is why I tried to put emphasis on it when I read it, it's assumed that the day in this passage or one day in this passage is the Sabbath day. It doesn't say Sabbath day. It doesn't say first day of the week. It doesn't say Lord's day. And so you have to assume that's what it's referring to. Put yourself in their position. If you were in the Roman church 50, 60 AD, you have long since, you prob you're probably a Gentile believer, not a Jewish believer. And the Jewish believers realize now through Christ that Gentiles are being included into the kingdom of God. 
If you're in Rome, you probably never went to Jerusalem. And you probably never brought a goat or a lamb or a dove for sacrifice at the temple. You see, that passed away. Those ceremonies passed away with the coming of Christ. And the ceremony of days like the Sabbath day was on Saturday. The Jews were having to learn to give up their Saturday and start worshiping with the church on Sunday. This passage, Romans 14, was written just for folks like that. You still think Saturday's special? No, it's, you think that's the day? If anything, it's referring to their obsession with holding on to the old covenant, though the new covenant had come. It's not referring in any way. There's no language here that talks about the new covenant in Christ or the first day of the week, the Lord's day, the day they were worshiping. It's talking about something that's past, something that's gone, um, that they don't need anymore. They don't need to observe. It would make sense. They don't need to observe the Old Testament Sabbath, just like they don't need to observe Passover. They don't need to observe circumcision. In the New Covenant, those got replaced. Instead of Passover, we have the Lord's Supper. Instead of circumcision, we have baptism. Instead of the old seventh day Sabbath, we have the first day, the Lord's Day. The new is come, the old is gone. That seems to be the language of Romans 14. Uh, it's referring to holy days and food laws and Old Testament feasts. Look at Galatians 4 and you see the same kind of thing. Let's look at Galatians 4, 9 through 11. Again, no mention of the particular day we're, we're studying. Galatians 4, beginning at verse... Let me, let me start at 8. It looks like that's the beginning of the paragraph. Galatians 4, verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God... How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental, elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Again, he's, he, he, Paul is referring the believers here back to the Old Testament laws. You don't need to jump into those Old Testament rituals. You don't need to think that coming to Passover, God's going to pass over you. Now we come to the Lord's table. You don't need to be circumcised thinking that's what marks you out. Now we're baptized. You don't, you don't need these Old Testament rituals. They're worthless. Those, those are gone. We are now in Christ. Christ purchases us. Don't you realize that's what matters? Not these observances we did that were Old Testament ceremonies to point us to Christ. Now that Christ has come, we don't need something to point us to Christ. We have Christ. And in having Christ, we have salvation. We have redemption. That's the message Paul's trying to get up, up through. He says, you are observing these former months and seasons and years and feasts and all of that stuff. He says, now you're new in Christ. Again, no specific 
reference or mention to the fourth commandment. Now, the third passage. But people say, well, days are there. And it says we need to get rid of our days. And the same thing in Romans. It says days are there. We need to get rid of them. But it could be a different day. Not the Sabbath commandment day. Look at Colossians 2. In Colossians 2, it's the only passage where we have a reference to the word Sabbath, which means rest. So look at Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now you see very clear language. There's these old things we need to realize they were to point us to Christ. Now that we have the substance of Christ, we don't need those things that were just pointing us to Christ. We just need Christ. And in the midst of, a, of the list of things we don't need, those ceremonies, we have this phrase, a Sabbath. Interesting that it's indefinite. A Sabbath. It didn't say the Sabbath. It didn't say the, a reference to the fourth commandment. But it's a Sabbath. There were multiple Sabbaths in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And there were feasts that happened on the Sabbath. The emphasis again here seems to be on the festivals. A new moon festival, that seems strange to us. They weren't talking about how attractive the new moon was. But most of their festivals happened at the first of the month where the new moon was. and began to call them new moon festivals. Like the festival of booze or the festival of Passover. So they, they had these festivals they kept. But there's no reference, again, to the fourth commandment. The only reference is that these ceremonies that we don't need to give up, they also occurred on a Sabbath. Just because the, the festival occurred on a Sabbath and was ceremonial, doesn't make the day ceremonial. And we looked at that already. Um, the command is moral. It's not a ceremonial uh, thing we did that kind of way. There's no reference to the fourth commandment. So it's still a ceremonial dispute the Jews in Romans 14, the Jews in Galatians 4, and the Jews here that are in the church are saying, you really want to be a Christian, you need to be like us. We were the first. We were the Jews. We were God's special people. We were the national church. And they kept wanting to bring that first generation of believers to be like them. That was the big dispute in Acts chapter 15. Don't the Gentiles who get saved, don't they have to be like us, Jews? And the apostles came together and Paul comes together and says, no, they don't. God doesn't want us to all be Jews. He wants his kingdom to be of every nation, tribe, and tongue. We will not all be the same race ever again. The kingdom of God is bigger than that. It's grown beyond that. You don't need the old now the new has come, the substance of Christ. Colossians 2 is the only passage that uses the word Sabbath, meaning rest. So let's look at it and let's get a good interpretation. That's why I said four reasons or four ways to think about just Colossians and how to interpret it right. First of all, remember how many times Sabbath is used in the Bible. I told you that I think our first sermon on this. If you look up the word Sabbath you will find 90 
times God refers to Sabbath. Ninety. You've got one passage now in Colossians 2 where you're kind of wondering, is David tricking us here or not? You know, does this one time say we don't have to keep it? Well, remember, you got 89 that say you keep it. And if you take the interpretation, which I don't take, that this one in Colossians says you don't have to keep it, you're saying one verse defines for you what the other nine have said, 89 have said. You're using the one obscure passage that refers to a Sabbath to tell you how to interpret the other 89 that refer to the Sabbath and what to do with it. That's never good Bible interpretation. You don't let the obscure verse interpret the plain and clear passages. Rather, you let the plain and clear passages interpret the obscure. Okay? First, good biblical way to interpret. Always let the plain passages of Scripture enable you to interpret correctly those that seem less plain or more obscure. Number two, remember the first audience of the Sunday Sabbath. Sunday Sabbath was in full swing. Now that the Sunday Sabbath is in full swing with the resurrection of Christ, why would Paul just... You know, if it's in full swing, 30 A.D., and now we're at the 50 or 60 A.D., uh, why would Paul come along 20, 30 years later and say, oh, oh, you don't need to do that? Again, and it's only one reference. It, it just doesn't make sense that that fits with the New Testament keeping of the Lord's day. It would fit better with the Old Testament Sabbath, which has be, is being done away with in their generation. Number three, the fourth commandment nowhere is really ever referred to as ceremonial. As a matter of fact, the fourth commandment, when did it start? It started before the Ten Commandments started. The fourth commandment started on the seventh day of creation. It started in Genesis 1 and 2. Right in the beginning of the Bible, on the seventh day, God rested. And He set the seventh day apart then. It was not a ceremony pointing to Christ then. Couldn't be. Why? There was no sin yet. There was no need for a ceremonial rite to tell us how to cleanse ourselves from sin and point us to our need for Christ because Adam and Eve hadn't sinned at that point. The fourth commandment or the Sabbath day command was not instituted or established to be a ceremony pointing us to Christ or for our sanctification or for our cleansing. It was established because God says, that's my order. That's the day I rested, and I want this time. The fourth commandment's always been a, a time command. Time for us to reflect on the redemption work of Christ, and to celebrate Him, and to gather as His people for that worship, and that time with God. So it was never a ceremonial command. And then fourth, I think Paul would have to be consistent, wouldn't he? He can't say to the Romans, we need the Lord's day. And to the Galatians, we need the Lord's day. And then say to the Colossians, oh, oh, we don't need that day. All 90 references need to be read and studied. And they need to come together as one cohesive, consistent revelation to the people of God. We can't have that one verse hanging out there that disagrees 
with the wet rest. It doesn't. When you see the ceremonial law being replaced with God's moral law. And so our love is for the moral commands of God, not for Old Testament sacrifices that are gone away. Um, can't be optional for the people in Colossae any more than it can be optional for the rest. Um, what's going on really in Colossians 2.16 is just normal language we use. Uh, it's, it's a figure of speech. We call it synecdoche. And that means we sometimes say a word or a phrase that's referring to something big or general, but we have something very specific in mind. For example, if I hear sirens, I could, I could right now say, oh, the law is coming. And you know exactly what I'm referring to. I'm not referring to the whole weight of the, the law or our government is about to come down on us. I just mean one policeman's about to show up. And I say, the law is coming. In the same way, there's, you see Paul referring to days and festivals. It's a general term for all of these Old Testament ceremonies. But he has some very specific ones in mind that the people at Colossae were trying to follow. They, they, they had these ceremonies that they still thought would make them holy. And they had the same problem in Galatia. They still thought they would be made holy through these ceremonies. And in Rome, they had these Judaizers trying to make them like them through ceremonies. Same kind of thing. He uses these general parameters to speak to these specific issues that had to do with the Passover. Now being the Lord's Supper. And unleavened bread. Um, leavened bread not being the, the issue. And circumcision not being the issue, baptism being the issue. Um, he has specific things that he's dealing with there, and we just need to see that's what's happening. Um, the Sabbath ceremonies or ceremonies that happened on the Sabbath needed to go. There was no dispute. But the Sabbath command doesn't go with them because the Sabbath command was never ceremonial. It was brought into the Ten Commandments as something we needed to remember, that God's been doing it ever since creation. And that time that He needed to rest and to reflect on His work, we still need to stop and reflect on His work, His works of redemption and celebration that are ours in Christ. Well, let me just bring it all together and apply this thought that perhaps the Lord's day is optional and I don't have to keep it. Uh, first of all, you're saying it's ceremonial to go that way. That it's a ceremony I don't need. It's not going to make me holy. Uh, I don't need Sabbath ceremonies, so I don't need the Sabbath command. Again, I just say don't confuse ceremonies with moral law. Number two, um, nowhere does the Bible say the Sabbath day is going to make you holy. Lose that thought. What does it say? Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day and do what? Keep it holy. The day is not going to keep you holy. We're supposed to keep the day holy. It doesn't sanctify us. We sanctify it. The word holy means like the word sanctification, it means set apart. Keep 
the day set apart. Keep the day sacred. Don't allow people to disregard the day or abrogate the day. Remember, this was the day your creator God's been keeping since creation. And he keeps it still. And you are to keep it set apart as a rest day. The word Sabbath means rest. As a rest day. To reflect. Doesn't mean you don't do any work. And we'll talk about that in a few weeks. What works do we continue to do? Every, all of us. On the Sabbath. How do we make the Sabbath a day of real delight and joy. And the festivals that come with it. So there's more to talk about. But we are to keep it. It doesn't keep us. Very important to understand that we set it apart. Many people don't. The command is for us to remember that it exists, something God wants, and we are to set it apart. We are to keep it. It doesn't make us holy. By keeping the Sabbath day, just like by eating or drinking or these other things, it does not make me more or less holy. The day was never intended to make me holy. Christ is my holiness. Christ is my righteousness. Only Christ makes me righteous. The day is a day for my love time with God. To stop and reflect with God. To enjoy God. To spend time with Him. To spend time with His church. There's absolutely no dispute over whether the day will make me holy or not. It won't. Does it make me any more or less holy? Now, Hebrews 10, let's read it, 24 and 25. It rebukes the wrong interpretation that Colossians implies for some people that the Sabbath commandment is optional. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, very plain. says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to come together. We need to encourage one another. There's a day set aside for that. Some have made the habit of saying it's optional. And God says, but I want you all to come together. And I want you to encourage one another. You need this time. It's a time command. You don't need to neglect this time. I mean, try to, try to think what's happening when, when you make it optional. And many of us have at some point in our lives. Uh, if, if, if we're not doing it now. Say, well, you know, I don't feel like church tomorrow. So I, I don't have to go. It doesn't make me any more or less holy. Okay. Or, you know, I stayed up late. That game was late last night. I just need to sleep. I think God understands I need to sleep. He, he made my body. I need to sleep. So I don't need that Sabbath rest. I just need physical rest. And so I don't really need to rest in Christ. I don't need to be in His church. I don't need to think about His Word and His righteousness. I just need physical rest. And so I'm going to make it optional, all of those things, and I'm just, I'm just going to sleep. There's many ways we make it optional, and, but listen to what we're saying to God. God, we're saying, you know that my actions right now by 
not keeping the Sabbath day, not making it set apart, not making it holy. By not doing that, you know, of course, God, I'm justified. God says, how are you justified? Oh, Colossians 2. Oh, really? See, that's why I spent so much time thinking about that. Because you're saying making the fourth commandment optional is justified. That God understands you. That God knows you don't need it. You don't need to set it apart. And I can't find that verse where I can come before God and say, God, me ignoring the fourth commandment this day just because, you know, I, I need some time away. I need to go to the beach. I need to go to the mountains. I need to watch some games. I just need it, God. God's sitting up in heaven. Oh, you're right, David. Check. You're good. Don't need the fourth commandment. Really? That would be like me, in my opinion, kissing my wife twice a month only and saying, I love you, honey, I love you. I really do. She says, how can you justify that? You've only kissed me twice a month. Well, I kissed you, didn't I? Check. Check. Kissed you twice. Say, that doesn't really sound like you love me. You're not spending time with me. And if you're not spending time, affectionate time with me, how do you think your actions are justified when we've taken vows to love one another? And the same is true with us and God. We need time. You have a God that wants time with you. That overwhelms me. God does not need me. And yet he wants me to spend time with him. And he wants a church. He says, I've come to build my church. And I'm not going to let the gates of hell prevail. I will build my church. I will have a people. And they will be a peculiar people. They will be a holy people. They will be a special people. They will be a people who proclaim my excellencies before me. They will be mine. And I will be theirs. We will be known as the church, the head of the church and the body of the church because we're together. The application just seems so practical. We, we sometimes don't even think about it. But we really do need the time God wants us to have with Him and just kissing God. Matter of fact, that's even biblical language. Psalm 2 says, kiss the Son. Just kissing Christ in worship together with His church twice a month because the other times are optional for you. You see, it, it just lacks so much love and so much passion. Rather, I think our heart should be, God, I'm sick as a dog with COVID and I just hate this. Please heal me. I want time with you. I don't want to neglect your people. I don't want to neglect the work of your spirit in the church. I don't want to neglect the preaching and teaching. I don't want to neglect meeting together the first day of every week to take the Lord's Supper. I don't want to neglect any of that. I want time with you, God. I want to set this day apart, even in sickness. And I want to be with you. 
because you want to be with me. And that overwhelms me. And I think the Sabbath command is as simple as that. It doesn't make us any more or less holy. It just makes us better lovers. Lovers of God. And gives us that time of seeing God also loving us. Fourth, we need the Sabbath command. What a, just plain, look at Mark chapter 2, verse 28. Mark 2, 28, Jesus, New Testament, speaking, New Covenant. Pharisees are trying to catch him about not keeping the Old Testament Sabbath the way they were keeping it. And Jesus makes his statement. Mark 2, verse 27, he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Man needs this. It was made for man. And he says, the Son of Man, meaning him, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus uses a title to refer to himself, and that title is, I am Lord of the Sabbath. In our vernacular, that means this his jam. This, this is what he does. He does Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Be like me saying, I'm the king of my castle. You say, well, you don't have a castle. Oh, okay. That means I'm king of my house. You don't have a house. Well, okay, that's not true then. If I do have a house and I say I'm the king of the house, you know what that means. It means I'm saying I'm the boss. I'm in charge. It's mine. And Jesus is saying that. I am Lord of the Sabbath. This is who I am. This is what I do. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. And the Sabbath still matters to me. It's where my kingship is. It's where my people are. They are with me on the Sabbath. When the Sabbath rolls around, everybody lifts me up. My church does. Everybody expresses their love and their thanks. And they bring their thanks offering. And they're kneeling before me in the Lord's Supper to remember me and my work and everyone knows at that moment I'm Lord even of the Sabbath let's pray together Father it's it's so easy to to harp on this really for me because I know my own weakness I know I've been busy this week and I haven't had the time with you that I kind of told you I would have. And I haven't read your word like I told you I would. And the prayers haven't been as long or as fervent or as sweet. And if it wasn't for one day out of seven coming around, how long would I go? Before there was renewed passion, before my heart was pricked, before I was brought back to my lover and my God. Father, thank you for the Lord's day and for the responsibility to set it apart. It's your day. And so many times I treat it like it's my day, and I treat you like you're optional. Have mercy. I'm a sinner. And I need redemption. 
I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need a day every week to remind me of this and more. Lord, may we not be a people, a church, a group that thinks our King and our Lord is optional by the way we treat your day, special day you have observed since creation. Let us rather find out how you observe it. Let us see the joy of the Sabbath. Let us see the delight of the Sabbath. Let us see the God, the Lord of the Sabbath and fall in love again and again and again with you. We ask that it truly becomes a day of great joy and delight because we're getting intimacy with you on that regularity, with that regularity. That's what we pray for. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.